The Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association is a national bilingual association of professionally trained counselors. CCPA's members work in diverse fields of education and employment and career development, social work, business, industry, mental health, public service agencies, government, and private practice. Their 2019 conference was jointly presented with the International Association for Counseling. It was held May 13 to 16, 2019 at the Delta Beauséjour Hotel in Moncton, New Brunswick. I'm your host, Mark Franklin, practice leader of a team of career professionals at CareerCycles.com and co-founder of One Life Tools. I'm pleased to be your host today on Career Buzz. Rebecca Hudson-Breen is an assistant professor in counseling psychology at the University of Alberta. She's the current president of the Career Counselors Chapter of the CCPA. Brianna Lawrence is an assistant professor in the Graduate Counseling Program at Brandon University. She's worked with children and their families for 10 years in educational and clinical settings. Their conference session was called Career Matters, Exploring Social Justice in Career Life Counseling Across the Lifespan. My guests today are Rebecca Hudson-Breen and Brianna Lawrence, both assistant professors, Rebecca at the University of Alberta and Brianna at Brandon University. I'm your host, Mark Franklin, here on Career Buzz. Thanks, uh, both of you, for, for joining me. Thank you. Um, so, Rebecca, what do you like about your, your career these days? For me, um, having a faculty position means that I get to research the things that I'm curious about and ultimately, um, I hope, through that research, make a difference um, in people's lives through changes in policy, um, changes in the way that we train uh, counselors and uh, career counselors, career development pro- professionals, and um, and to teach uh, new counselors who are just starting out in their careers. If listeners are interested in becoming a professor, wh- what skills do you really need to develop and use to be a, a good professor? I definitely think flexibility. Now that I've been in uh, a position for a few years, um, there are so many different jobs that we do within this job. And so you need to, um, I think, have that um, flexibility and adaptability as well as a real interest in, in, in something that you want to research, right? Like it's so much is, is about research. Uh, we're teaching, we're doing service, but there's that entrepreneurial aspect to your uh, research career as well as a faculty person. And so that's, that's kind of what comes to mind for me. So interesting. Entrepreneurial is not one of those skills that people normally associate with a professor, but that's, that's great. You've got to kind of move things on your own, on your own agenda with your own initiative. Mm -hmm. Thanks. Um, Brianna Lawrence, how about you? What do you like about your career? Um, What I really like about the faculty position is the variability. Uh, I really like working with students. I work with both uh, graduate counseling students as well as undergraduate pre-service teachers. So I really enjoy that. And I also enjoy doing, as Rebecca said, research on things that you're really interested in. I feel like I've got a a super curious mind and so when I have questions and typically they're related to practice I feel really lucky that I can kind of dig into them and and find out more. Nice and and if I ask for one turning point you've both had interesting careers that brought you to your present uh, work. Um, Brianna what's one turning point for you? Uh, My major turning point was moving from Victoria to Brandon, which is a very small community, about two and a half hours from Winnipeg on the prairies. I went for my interview maybe six months before that, and I had never been to the prairies in my life before we moved there the second time I've been there. So that was a pretty major turning point for me and my family. And how's life in Brandon? We really enjoy the community. It's very small. 
in terms of it takes eight minutes to get anywhere, there's no traffic, we've got great childcare, great school, the university has about three, 3,500 people, and so as a new faculty, I think I get the opportunity to be involved in more things that I maybe might not be able to at a larger place. So that's, that's actually really exciting. There's been some excellent opportunities and I've met some really interesting people from actually all over the world that I was very surprised to meet in Brandon at the university. Hmm. 3,500 people, students. Students, yeah. So, so it's more kind of the, the, the big fish in a small pond yeah. idea, and you just get to do more stuff. Yeah, that's All right, great. that's nice. Uh, Rebecca Hudson-Breen, what about you? One turning point that brought you to the present? Mm-hmm. I think um, for me what stands out is when I had my first child during my doctoral studies and started seeing mothering and this new mothering role, and as I interacted with other new moms at Baby groups with my researcher hat on and um, really getting uh, excited about how how mothers are integrating that new work-life role into their their other roles and what that transition looks like and in particular um, mother entrepreneurs so that's that's where probably that entrepreneurial idea comes from for me. Now I see that in in um, in a in career in a lot of different ways. Ah, so real life is actually informing some of your work and research agenda. Mm-hmm. Interesting. My mm-hmm. um, guests today are uh, Rebecca Hudson Breen and Brianna Lawrence. They both do um, research and teaching related to uh, career. I'm your host, Mark Franklin, here on Career Buzz. Um, let's dig into the topic. You you both presented on social justice as it relates to career yesterday here at the. Canadian uh, Counseling and Psychotherapy Association conference. Um, let, let's start with a kind of broad definition. I think somehow this idea of social justice ties in with the notion of decent work. So, Rebecca, can you kind of bring us up to speed? What what does decent work mean, and how does that connect to this idea of social justice? Um, well, decent work is one of the ways that. Um, like I think, yeah, we can kind of get more concrete about those social justice values in career life. And decent work is basically the idea that everyone who wants to work should have access to work that um, is dignified, is safe, um, provides an opportunity to make a livelihood to support themselves and, and family, um, and that um, that there's equal opportunity for for people to access decent work. Um, I know that decent work term comes from the sustainable development goals that some listeners might be familiar with. Can you just set that decent work um, goal in the context of those of those goals? Okay, so decent work is one of the UN's um, sustainable development goals, and so it really uh, applies to our work uh, as career counselors in terms of taking taking that goal that the, the UN has um, identified and that the um, ILO has taken forward in terms of a decent work agenda because that access to work that is fair, dignified, stable, and secure, as Bluestein says, is really part of that global sustainability, something that we want um, for the world and so for individuals. Nice. So so decent work as part of that UN focus on sustainable development. I think that was aiming to get the whole planet moving towards mm-hmm. that by 2030. Mm-hmm. So let's see, we're doing this interview in 2019, mm-hmm. so we've got 11 years to go, mm-hmm. and you guys are moving this agenda <laughs> forward. So so the decent work thing, um, Brianna Lawrence, if we, if we think about that, I know that you've made a connection between this idea of decent work and mental health. Mm-hmm. 
if you have decent work, there's some positive mental health aspect, but if you don't, there might be some negative consequences. Can you explain that for us? Yeah, we're really interested in the interconnection between work and mental health, and we don't really see how it could be separated. Some of the research that we do is interested in how things like our poor mental health can really influence work productivity, for example. It can be linked to underemployment or not, or being in a precarious position can be really linked to things like work stressors, difficulty negotiating life roles, harder to make different types of transitions, um, really linked to physical health as well. So we're really, we're really trying to explore that more and, and to look at it from a social justice perspective in terms of now that we know this, how can we take that action stance and, stance and do something about it? So, this, I mean, this might really connect with listeners who live in the gig economy. So many jobs now are not precarious. I know that's a kind of bit of a jargon word in the field, but mm-hmm. things, things move along. People may not have stable full-time employment. They may be on contracts and expect those contracts to end and have to move forward. So more and more, we're going to see people experiencing some of these mental health mm-hmm. consequences mm-hmm. because of the way the work is work is organized. Mm-hmm. What have you What have you found about that, Rebecca? Well, I think actually I'm one of the things that's coming to mind right now is Roberta Nold's career engagement model too. I think it uh, really captures how when folks are both overwhelmed because they're stressed with making ends meet and um, keeping keeping themselves. Um, going basically in the face of precarious work, they're both overwhelmed and under underutilized. So they're experiencing a, a lack of satisfaction in their work life because they're not um, having a chance to um, use their skills, perhaps, or to work in a sustainable way. And at the same time, overwhelmed by not not having that sustainable work. So the impacts on mental health then are that the stress and overwhelm result in poor poor outcomes in terms of well-being and mental health. So so now we're tying together this idea of decent work and mental health. And I know both of you teach counselors. You teach mm-hmm. personal counselors and career counselors. So how how does this now look from your perspective trying to educate that next level of counselors who are trying to keep Canadians healthy and well? What can we do to help our counselors apply some of these ideas in their work with their clients? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think one of the things that we're both really interested that comes from our personal experiences as well is we're really interested in the impact on family. So the ways that families negotiate instability or vulnerable work positions and how that impacts the entire system, children, spouses, um, everyone. So in terms of counselors, we try to look at the types of interventions or ways that they can support not only someone Mm -hmm. through a career development, but the whole system as well, the family system. Some examples, Rebecca, to to pick up on what Brianna is saying that might be those tools, interventions, Mm -hmm. things that the counselors might be doing together with their clients. Well, I think one of the things is to keep in mind for counselors that um, we we don't see this separation between personal counseling and career counseling, that there's a real overlap. Like, how can we talk about someone's life without talking about 
um, their work roles and their their other life roles. So it's all all of our lives really are our career lives. And so, um, in terms of interventions, it's about taking um, taking the big picture, looking at um, an individual within the various systems that they exist in, um, taking a look in terms of understanding their career life goals considering their multiple life roles, so it might be drilling down to understand more about their values. Um, it might be um, understanding strengths and how they transfer from one context to another. So for example, someone who may have taken a break uh, from employment, uh, either voluntarily or not, um, and spent time, for example, as a full-time parent. So helping somebody to see how the strengths that they've developed as a full-time parent really translate into other work-life roles as well. Um, so some of those, those things that we might be doing as interventions um, in counseling generally just kind of bringing uh, shining the light on on how there is that action potential um, around supporting more just access to decent work wait I want to come back to the strengths that people have from parenting right so that's very practical for parents listening to this this broadcast or podcast so I mean if I just make some stuff up I'm a parent uh, but my, my my kid isn't really small anymore but it when when kids are small you have skills like time management. The one that comes to mind is persuasion, mm -hmm. right? Like these are actually employment and employability skills. Mm -hmm. So can, can you like just expand mm -hmm. on that if either one of you have others, like to, to take this into really practical terms. Mm -hmm. What are those strengths you might get from parenting that might be then mm -hmm. transferable, even skills that you could talk about in a job interview? Mm -hmm. Well, I think uh, you named a couple of them. Another one that comes to mind is um, patience and multitasking, being able to self-regulate, right, while you're working with, um, in the case of parenting, maybe a tiny tiny human who um, isn't able to reason with you. And certainly, uh, like I've worked with students who saw, were able to kind of draw those parallels to like how this is really a strength in, in working in sort of service or human service positions or customer service. Um, the more you're able to calm yourself, to listen um, with empathy and um, respond in a, in a calm way in, in times of stress, these are definitely skills that we're constantly nurturing, I think, as parents. Um, so that's one example that comes to mind. Yeah, I think picking up on organization is a really big one, mm -hmm. um, particularly like if you have a child with different types of mm -hmm. specific needs, oftentimes there's a lot of organization dealing with other professionals a huge advocacy piece, which is really important in the work that we do as well. Learning about advocating, understanding the system, how to how to get what you need from it. Um, I count ten skills that we've just talked about in the last minute. So I think listeners are getting a lot out of that, and I can see this is a really practical application. You know, just thinking out loud here, I know people feel um, sometimes funny about including time out from their work lives for parenting. I know both of you are parents. What do you have to say about listeners? Should they put time out for parenting right on their resume, maybe right on their LinkedIn, and try and claim these skills that we've just mentioned here that every employer would find useful? What are your personal opinions on that? I would really like to see us move to a place where um, it wouldn't even be seen as timeout, right? Like that, that would be seen as a valued role, uh, and by our by our society, that care care work um, and unpaid labor wouldn't be differentiated from paid 
work. I think right now there's probably um, definitely an element of privilege that would enable people to put that on their their resume um, and have that recognized, be able be able to advocate for that. Um, I think a lot of times unpaid um, care work is really um, marginalized in, and not valued, potentially. I've seen it. I mean, I've actually seen it, you know, and so I think yeah. every, the only right decision on a resume is the thing that gets you the interview and gets you the job. Yeah. So, you know, I've seen it and I would just encourage listeners to be bold with yeah. that and start yeah. being the change yeah. that you want. Yeah. Um, and, and, but emphasizing these employability skills, like yeah. I think the mm -hmm. thing is, and it's not time out, you know, it's time out of paid work, mm -hmm. right? But I think that people are shy about doing that yeah. kind of thing. And with these mm -hmm. 10 skills, I think any employer would be wise to say mm -hmm. that parent has got so much more to bring to this workplace than, than somebody who doesn't have those strengths. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So let's come back to the personal last, uh, last couple of questions. You both have, you know, had some twists and turns and moved from places like Victoria to Brandon. Um, what's one thing you could share with listeners, maybe emerging from your research or your teaching or your own lived experience, um, that, that might be advice or something you've learned about making good choices in career and life? What should people take? What should people consider? What can you share with them about something you've learned? I just keep going back to the, the idea of flexibility. We talked so much about it yesterday and what that looks like. So one of the things is not overly focusing on occupation, but rather being interested in, or following your interests and following what you like to do rather than, so being open rather than narrowing to an mm -hmm. occupation, which involves a lot of flexibility mm -hmm. because they're, compared to even a decade ago, there's just different pathways to get to that, and they mm -hmm. they constantly change. Mm -hmm. As changes in technology happen, for example, um, changes in government, there's different vulnerabilities, so mm -hmm. flexibility. Great advice. Thanks, Brianna Lawrence, and Rebecca Hudson-Breen. Um, yeah, I guess kind of building on that is um, being able to see how your, your strengths and skills translate um, from one type of work to another. So, um, for example, I, I hoped to get a faculty position, but if I, I, and I knew that that might not be uh, something that happened. And so I had in my mind other ways that I could translate those skills into different types of work situations, different ways that I might still be able to, um, to do the types of things that I like to do, uh, but in a different work context, as Brianna said, like moving, moving past occupations to thinking about, okay, how can I do the work that I want to do? One example? Um, well, I thought about um, entrepreneurship, I guess, would be the other place, um, and, and creating a, a business for myself where I was able to um, practice uh, as a psychologist, to, uh, to do research, to do contract work, uh, uh, doing research with different organizations, things like that. So being able to put, put together the types of uh, work that I like to do um, in, in a more, more specifically entrepreneurial context. If listeners want to find out more about the two programs that you work in, Rebecca, at uh, University of Alberta, what do they Google? What do they find? Um, the University of Alberta Counseling Psychology Program. It's in the Department of Educational Psychology. And Brianna over in uh, Brandon? Yeah, I'm in the Faculty of Education in the Guidance and Counseling Program. Thanks so much for joining us here on Career Buzz. Thank you.
Thank you. You've been listening to interviews recorded at the Canadian Counseling and Psychotherapy Association's 2019 conference in Moncton, New Brunswick, here on Career Buzz, where Canada's unique radio conversation that empowers lives, enriches careers, and energizes organizations. I'm your host, Mark Franklin. You can find out more about me at careercycles.com. If you have comments on today's interviews, please email me, Mark with a K at careercycles.com. Technical production today was by Kat Klippenstein. Catch Career Buzz every Wednesday, 11 till noon Eastern time on CIUT 89.5 FM in the Toronto area or CIUT.FM worldwide, go to careercycles.com and click podcast. I'm Mark Franklin. Thank you for listening to Career Buzz.